Father, you are Lord, Lord of the heavens and the earth. Long before there was anyone else to tell you that you were Lord, you were King, and you reign on high. We count it a privilege to be in your presence, to be with a group of people loving you, praising your name. Continue to have your hand upon us. May your Holy Spirit move in our lives. We ask all of you stuff in your precious name. Amen. All right. Um, this is the part the introverts don't like. And they're going to hide. But the extroverts are like, yes. We get to say hi to the people next to us. Give them a big old smile. We're glad you're in the house this morning. Yeah, look at that. A big old oh, kiss on the cheek. Oh, we love it. We love it. Greetings. All right, introverts, you can survive. It's just a couple more minutes, maybe a minute. Good morning. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Good morning. All right. All right, introverts, you survived. You can do it. I knew you can do it. Um, we're so glad that you're in the house this morning, enjoying this beautiful weather outside. In a couple of weeks, there will be. What? No, it's going to be sunny. Why you got to be like that? It's going to be sunny. It's going to be sunny. We're so glad that you're with us this morning. Um, just a few announcements. Uh, the Slice of Life, the Pregnancy Help Center is putting this on October the 1st, 3 to 5, at the barn in Barron. So mark your, cal your calendars, Slice of Life. Did we get the pie to passes? No, man. We'll do it anyways. All right, the uh, second one is, uh, today is our ministry fair. How much of you serve here at Maranatha? Any capacity? Thank you, thank you, thank you. For those that's on the sideline, looking in, it not a, it's not a participation sport. God has freely given us gifts. How much of you believe you have a gift? Yeah, you got a gift. And somebody needs it. Somebody within our local body needs it. So we got tables set up out there with the different ministries. Um, the question should be, what can I do to advance God's kingdom here on earth? Maybe it is sitting with some crying babies. Or maybe it is hanging out with the high schoolers. Whatever it may be. Maybe, maybe you got a strong back. Helping hands. There is stuff out there. We all can get involved. Amen? We're a part of God's body, and God has freely given us a gift. Let's use it. Um, out there we have this, this card. If you know someone in Barron County that's really need of help, um, there's some cards out there. Um, we help with clothes and food and, and shelter, things like that, in dire need. Um, there's some cards out there. You can, you can stop in at the Welcome Boot and grab some. Um, last one, a couple, uh, what was it, about a week ago. See what happens when you get a little bit of age? Can't even remember. Um, we had a privilege to be up at the Boundary Waters, um, eight of us uh, from Maranatha, and I think we got a few pitches. Um, there's no mosquitoes, so that's a plus. Um, the fish was just jumping into our canoes. They were just afraid of the Wisconsin boys. 
Um, but we definitely had a good time um, just fellowshipping, praying for one another, praying for the church, praying for our marriages. Um, we need strong marriages in our church. It was such a great time. Um, men, it's coming again. This was just our trip just to see if we will do it as a church or as a men of the church. So this was the first trip. Look out for an email. It's coming. We had a good time. Such an amazing time to see John just climbing the hills and enjoying one another. But that's what the church is about. Not just within these four walls, but outside the four walls. So we're so grateful for the fellowship this morning. Pastor Cody. Thank you. Thank you, Andre. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be here, and I'm, excited. I'm very excited about this morning. As you know, we're going through the book of Philippians, and the passage we are in is just, it's, it's a famous verse, and we're going to be looking deep into this, and what we are going to learn is very, very important. <clears throat> a few years ago, my family and I, we took a little break, and we went to South Dakota. Most of South Dakota is kind of like this. Then you get to the Blue, Black Hills, and it's beautiful. And we went there, and we thought, this is a great time to let, like, when I was a kid, I went there often. How many have been to Waldrug? Okay, as a kid, I was like, that's the poor, I mean, I never went to Disney World or whatever that place is called. We went to get free ice water. I mean, that was the cool thing there. A couple years ago, we were there with the family. We went, saw Mount Rushmore, some awesome stuff. I'm like, let's do some cool things. They had this spot. I forget the name of it. I just looked it up, and I can't think of what, what it was called. But it was people dug for gold there. It was a gold mine. And I was like, let's do one of those tours where it's a gold mine. Anybody do a tour of gold mine before? They're kind of cool. It was great. We got the helmets on, so we wouldn't bump our head because some of us are taller than some of you. So I was like this most of the time. And we're walking through there, and it was fascinating hearing the stories of people selling all they had, where they lived, to move there and just dig nonstop. Not with just a shovel, like in the dirt, but this is rock and dynamite. And I was like, this is cool. And then at the end, I was, you know, seeing, they're like, well, here's one spot that they started, but they died. So then, you know, I'm like, oh, man. They're like, but don't worry, we're going to pan for gold. I'm like, Yeah. So at the end, we got these little pans, you know, in the rivers, you know, it wasn't river, they just had like, it was pumping water, and they just threw some dirt and rocks in there, and then little flakes of gold they had in there. And I was doing it, I was like, I think I saw a flake. But there was a fraction of maybe a second or so where I was like, wait a second, there could be gold in them hills right here. I should quit my job. And I, dude, why did they stop? I'm like, why am I panning for a flake? I could just gobs of, so this is just a fraction of a second I thought this. I was like, I could quit it all. I could just dump it all and start digging and play with some dynamite. Good thing I didn't do this, right? And then I was like, well, that would be foolish. But I did see a flake of gold. But at the end, I was trying to dig for it and find it. My daughters bought fool's gold. And I was like, at least we got something out of it. We left with fool's gold. Instead of what I wished, you know, even this week, I was like, should I go back there? No. Why do we so 
eagerly sometimes go, if only I had, because that fraction of a second thought, I could sell it all, move up here and dig for gold and have it all maybe, but end up at the end of a tunnel and die and have nothing possibly. Why do we so much in life pursue, I wish I had, instead of looking at what we have? That would have been foolish if I would have been like, I see a flake. I'm quitting it all. So long, family. So long. I'm just doing this by myself. That would be foolish. Today, we're going to look at what we have in Christ. Here's the phrase I say. The greatest poverty you may have as a Christian is not knowing what you have in Christ. Christ. Let me say that again. The greatest poverty you may have as a Christian is not knowing your position in Christ. And today we're going to look at being content and complete in Christ. Those are the two main words we're going to talk about. Being content and complete in Christ. Because it's often the world will say, look at what I have. Look at all this fool's gold. There's a little flake floating down. Jump for it. So here's kind of what I've boiled it down to. In fact, my goal was to bow hunt a lot this weekend, but it was raining, and I was going to read this 190-page book. Halfway through the week, I was like, I've got this book up in my shelf. The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment, written 400 years ago. I'll talk about this in a moment. But a summary of this book, and I've had to kind of tweak the language because 400 years ago they spoke a little differently in English. We find contentment in our hearts and lives through the sufficient grace of Christ who is the strength in us. That's kind of a summary of what he did in that book. So let's pray before we get into this amazing couple verses. Lord, simply I just come before you and I ask that you help me be more dependent on you. Because that's hard. Because I can do it. Oh, I know I can do it. I'm fine. Lord, help me stop being self-sufficient and lean on the sufficiency of Christ. So Lord, help us, and I ask boldly, allow us to be more dependent on you. And God, as I pray in this short time that we have as we look at this passage, as I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so take your Bibles, go to Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. We're nearing the end of our study here in Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, we're looking at living in Christ, living for Christ, following Him, and what it looks like and means like. And I was going to cover verses 10 through 13, but I'm not going to do verse 10. I'm going to save that as we've done this before in Philippians, because often Paul kind of not randomly says stuff, but he's, he starts this whole section, but I'm going to include verse 10 into next week and the following week, talking about the gifts that he's received and the joy that he has in it. So we're going to start with verse 11. I'm not saying this because I am in need. 
For I have learned to be content. Whatever the circumstance. Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Verse 13, I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. So basically, we're going to have two parts today. The first part is talking about being content, and the second part will be about being complete. So let's begin with the first part, being content in every circumstance. In every situation, Paul says we need to be content. We're going to talk about the situation and how this is done. First of all, the situation and context. Paul wants the people in Philippi, he's been writing them, this great letter that we have. He wants them to know that, and again, this part of it's coming from verse 10 that we're not looking at, but we'll look at next week. He's very grateful for their gifts. He's very grateful. He has joy. He's very thankful for partnering with him in the gospel. But he's wanting to let them know that he's not grateful because he has felt deprived or he's in serious, serious need. He's in dire straits. He's not like that. He's very grateful. It's not because he's in need or wants more that he's without basic supplies. His purpose is to ensure them that he is happy and content whatever his external circumstances might be. Whether it's great, he's got tons of food, or nothing. doesn't matter what the circumstance is, he is still content. There's no demands on his part saying, please send me more. I caution you. It used to be TV evangelists. I don't know how they do it now. Maybe it's online. I caution you about the TV evangelist who says, I need more money for my jet. Don't give them any money, okay? He's not doing that. He's not saying, I demand more. He has no expectations. His mind is centered on the Lord, not the circumstance, not the need or the plenty. It's centered on the Lord, and it's not on the earthly situation. But he also wants them to know that this contentment doesn't just come naturally. Hey, guess what? I'm fine. That's kind of a line I use sometimes, like, I'm fine. I'm okay. It just comes naturally. No. This is the phrase that I remember when I was in high school. I was going through this, and, and there's, of course, we got verse 13, which is a famous verse to memorize, which we'll talk about here in a moment. But I remember reading this going, whoa. He just doesn't say, hey, I'm content. I'm fine. But he says, I've learned to be Whatever situation, I've learned to be content. So the question then is how to be content. In this book, and I encourage you, because it's written so long ago, you can get it as a PDF, and you can find this online. In fact, let me just throw this out there. Last week I talked about my top ten. Do you remember me saying that? So I've given you, I've got this little list. You can grab it on the way out. My top ten verses, it was very hard for me to pick my top ten verses, but I've got those, a lot of Romans in there, and of course Philippians. My top ten books to read. I encourage you, grab the sheet. Get these books, 
and then my top 10 pastors, theologians. Again, I told you that the people I want to follow are, most of them are dead. Because I want to make sure they finished well. Two of the guys on here are not dead yet. But uh, so just the, the, and then I put my top 10 Christian songs, and some of those are on there. As I was going through this, I, that's where I thought of, I was like, I got this book, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs. So get this book, it's online. I'll be reading it this week as I'm in the woods. In this book, Jeremiah, which was written in 1645, all he does is this whole book is just on these three verses. You think my sermons are long. Man, that one's long. He defines contentment as this. And I've kind of changed maybe a word or two just to make it modern because some of the words just seem archaic and they mean different things. Christian contentment is that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit freely submitting to and taking satisfaction in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. That's a summary of what he says as he studied this passage deeply. Two things about contentment I want to talk about. Number one, the first thought. Contentment doesn't just happen it's learned as paul says i learned and this verb is used for gathering insight and knowledge how many of you like school man some teachers are like yeah i do that's my paycheck okay no here's my line if you're out of school always be a student okay never stop learning never stop learning always study so i encourage you to grab that sheet my top 10 books get a few of those start reading learn here it's learning it's the, the verb here is to gain insight knowledge paul is saying through his experience with god he's learned that in all events whether being poor or rich sick or healthy god is with him and he's learned that we must trust God so in this context learning is we have to learn to trust God it is a lesson from life that God teaches and sometimes this is tough God teaches us through trials James the book of James says the same thing in a different way you must consider or count your trials as pure joy he says and that comes over time as we depend and learn to trust in God. We must learn and trust in Him. That the testing of your faith produces perseverance, James says. And this is the mindset over time that we must learn. We must learn to be content. Second thought is this. Temporary contentment is attained through self-sufficiency. I can be content on my own through self-sufficiency, but that's very temporary. Being a person in control of oneself and our emotions, using the power of reason to rise above the situation, I can do that. But that will last only a while. Paul goes deeper than that. Christian contentment is not self-sufficiency not be all that i can be i can do it rather it's trust 
in, not self-sufficiency, but trust in the sufficiency in God. Where we place ourselves under His care as we depend on Him. Sufficiency in God rather than self-sufficiency brings us to a state of satisfaction in every situation. You like all those S's I got in there? But the best way to be in the state of satisfaction is not to trust in self-sufficiency, but in the sufficiency of God. Marriage, job, success, all the different titles you can get behind your name, that does not bring true contentment. Only God does. We must first find contentment in God, and then we can find contentment in other things. Yeah, marriage, you can find contentment in that, but that's not the first place you find it. In your job, great, but you can lose that so quickly. Thus, excuse me, our confidence and contentment is in the character of God. That's the foundation of it all. Contentment and peace are emotional realities. He's talked about peace a couple times. Now contentment. These are emotional realities. Not just mental ones. It's not just getting to a place of, okay, I'm there. No, these are emotional realities. Thus we must stand on the truth which drives that emotion and the importance of knowing and trusting the character of God. God's sufficiency refers to God's sufficiency in himself and for us. God himself is the treasure. As I said last week, as the Puritans kind of taught, set your affections so on God that there's no room for sin. He's the ultimate treasure. He's more than able to give and bless and provide in our needy condition. He gives exceedingly more than we ask when we come to Him prayer. So we must trust in the providence of God, for it's greater than our troubles. Paul says this, whatever circumstance, whatever situation, he says, I know what it's to be in need. Take a look at the passage. I know what it's to have plenty. I know what it's to have want. Whatever hungry or fed. I love how 2 Corinthians says this. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. All things are God's, right? All situations are controlled by God. And I belong to Him, so I must trust in Him. That's how I learned to be content. God is more sufficient to give Paul peace and contentment, whether times of having nothing or plenty. So in conclusion of this first part, being content in every circumstance. Here's what I wrote down. Contentment thus refers to the sufficiency of God to turn all things around for the sake of the kingdom and ultimately for our good. I think I maybe even added some of that. God is at work in all things at all times. It is knowing Christ rather than having everything. It's knowing God will provide rather than selling all I have to dig for fool's gold or maybe get a flake of gold. To know Christ is to enter into fellowships of His suffering, as He just said 
in chapter 2. I like Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. I must trust in God. No matter the worst day of my life, I need to trust in the character of God. Trusting God during trials helps us to be more content. All right, part two, the last part. True contentment now comes from this. Being complete in Christ, who is the source of strength. Take a look at the last verse. Let me first talk about the situation and the context. When we read a Bible passage, context is very, very important. In fact, Stacy, I forget. Did I give you that picture of the hoodie sweater shirt? This verse here is a famous verse <laughs> that often gets taken out of context. In fact, we just had the Rice Lake Ministerial, a bunch of pastors are here on Thursday, and Pastor Steve from Providence Baptist Church, he had a mug that had this on his mug. I'm like, I need to borrow that. I'm going to drink coffee during the service and have that as a mug. I forgot. He's like, oh yeah, take it. When we read a passage or a verse, it must be taken into the context. Context is everything. Without the context, we can misinterpret the Bible and miss the beauty of a passage. When we quote, in fact, when I was a kid, it was this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? That's the verse. That's an amazing verse. It's an amazing truth. I can do all things through who strengthens me. The problem is, often, wrongly, we say this out of context. That's why I encourage you. There's nothing wrong with memorizing a Bible verse here and there. But I like to memorize not just a Bible verse, but memorize the context. Memorize a paragraph so you understand the context. The problem is, you read the verse and you can do, I can do all things through Christ. I can be Superman and I can jump off buildings, right? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, that would be kind of foolish to jump off buildings. Although when I was a kid, I jumped off my neighbor's roof because they were, it was wintertime and the wind blew and the snow blew up there. We just jumped in and we fell into two feet. Am I able to leap tall buildings? And part of the problem is this. We have a responsibility. And the problem is sometimes we can use this verse out of context. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I got a biology test coming up. I'm not going to study for the test because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you just negated the responsibility that you have to study for a test. So this verse has been used out of context so many times. I can be on the best sports team. We are going to win no matter what because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I someday... In this body, I'm going to win a gold medal in wrestling. Right, guys? And Leighton, that's not going to happen. The problem is, we take it out of context. Such an understanding leads to the error of thinking we can have anything we wish. Again, context 
is everything. And I like how we have the translation today. The NIV rightly translate, I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. All this refers to what came right before in verse 12. All of this refers to in any and every situation, I'm content because Christ is the strength of my life. He gives me strength. So primarily it speaks of the various life situations and the need of abundance. I can survive because my contentment is not on the situation and my completeness is not in me. So how do we become complete? Let me give you an illustration. This is my wedding and funeral Bible. This was my father-in-law's Bible. His name, Grant Osborne's right on there. So this is, I like it because I'm just an old school pastor. So when I hold it, you can see Holy Bible. I know there's, there's cool pastors that use their phones and stuff. But I just like this. This is my, my wedding and funeral Bible. And I've got my wedding notes right in here. In fact, the last couple I married were on behalf of Ray and Jen. Here's my notes right here in Ephesians chapter 5 section. Because that's the mo- that's That's the passage to understand with marriage. And my sermon is in the back. Listen to the first lines. This is typically what I say for every wedding. The sermon's usually different based upon what's going on, but here's what I have written down here. God is love. Yes or no? And there is no true love without Christ. That's a tough one. But honestly, if God is love, there can be no true love. Notice how I qualify. You can still, there there can be a benevolent love that we have for others, and others who aren't in Christ can have some kind of a love, yeah. But true love, there can be no true love without Christ. Here it is. Marriage, and usually at this time, I turn to the audience. In fact, when I do my message to the marriage cup you know, to the, at a wedding, I usually step down and have them turn because people don't want to see the back of their heads that whole time. I'm like, they want to see your face. They don't want to see me. So I step down and they turn and face everyone. At this time, I usually turn to the audience and say this. Marriage does not complete you. Well, that, that's a tough one. Because we get this mindset like, oh, I met the one who will complete me. You complete me. Oh, now I'm, now I'm complete. You know, you get this mindset. No, 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 listen. Marriage does not complete you. Christ does. Be complete first in Christ. And then let the marriage be a part of that. Does that make sense? So that's my intro to pretty much every wedding I do. So let's get back to my notes here. How to be complete. Marriage does not complete you. Christ does. This isn't something I've made up or whatever. This is what I believe Scripture teaches, both old and new. Your true fulfillment in life is found in Christ alone. Not in other things. Not in marriage. Not in jobs. Not in success that the world says. 
If you don't have Jesus, your life is not complete. Because here's the problem. Many people in marriages, they're like, oh, I'm empty. I need someone. I need some. Oh, there's the dude. And she's thinking, he's the one for me. He's, he's nice looking. He's a Wisconsin boy. Which Okay, if you're from Minnesota, you're, never mind. Okay. This guy's perfect for me. He'll complete me. And they feel empty and they're like, oh, now I found the one that will complete me. And then the marriage tanks out and you put your thought process and you put all of your energy and your mindset thinking, this is what will complete you on an earthly thing compared to God. If you do not have Jesus, your life is not complete. You are complete in him when you surrender and turn to the king and place your confidence and trust in the one who took our place on the cross. To be complete in Christ, we must surrender to him. He is who completes you. Your marriage doesn't. Your job doesn't. I mean, I love my marriage, trust me. But that doesn't complete me. First be content and complete in Christ then get married because if you want to get married and think that will be complete you that my analogy is like it's a tick on a tick you'll get nowhere it's not going to happen you need to trust in god who is all sufficient for us first you must surrender and turn to the king who took our place on the cross that's how we first become complete in christ we belong to him Second, we realize our position in Christ and all that he has for you. Complete means to be full, to be whole. Being complete in Jesus is to finally be made whole. When you turn to him and are complete in him, then you're full and complete. So if you're single, don't just look for the person who you think, oh, that's the perfect kind of guy or, or girl that I want to find. Find someone who is first content and complete in Christ. That's the kind of person you want to marry. Being complete in Jesus is to be made whole in our soul, in our mind, in our body, filled with the satisfaction of Christ. Don't be tempted to live for earthly possessions or luxuries. Pursuing the next dream. Truly what we need first and foundation is Christ. Here's what Paul's saying. Whatever life throws at me, he's saying this in verse 11 and 12, whatever I have, I've learned to be content. Because he knew his position in Christ. No matter what comes, it can be handled through the spiritual strength that Christ supplies. He handled both poverty and plenty the same way, being centered on Christ. And Christ was the strength of his life. This is how he could, in the context of the situation, because he surrendered every set of circumstance to the Lord. No matter what happens, I surrender to the Lord and I trust in him. He's dependent on Christ. Not on them. Not on the, the people at the church of Philippi. 
It is Christ who empowers Paul and enables him to rise above life's various occurrences. And this is a mindset that is true, but also an attitude we must live. And this goes against being self-sufficient. Let me give you an example of how I fail at this. Recently, the doctor that I have has left, retired, and had a great doctor, and then the hospital called me and said, you got a new doctor, which one do you want? I'm like, just pick someone. How about this person? Yep, that person. I, I. They're like, okay, now we need to schedule an appointment. I'm like, why do we need to schedule an appointment? Well, you need to make, you know, just connection with your doctor. I'm like, okay, fine, sure, set something up. So then the day came up, it said, doctor appointment on my calendar. So I texted my wife, is that for you? It's not for me. Oh, it's right. Okay, so I get this attitude like, I don't need to go to the doctor. This is so dumb. This is so lame. I'm fine. And the problem was, I was kind of acting self-sufficient. I'm okay. Have you seen this great, it's not great chiseled body. In fact, even today, I put this shirt on. This is from the Philippines, right? We got some Filipinos here, right? I put this on, I was like, yeah, I haven't worn this shirt in a while. Tony wears his. And I was like, oh, I wore this 20 years ago. Okay, I won't wear this anymore. So I go there with this attitude. I'm fine. I don't need this. And the problem was this. My attitude affected two people, really three people I met. I walk in, sign in, and they go, go to the desk, talk to the nurse. And I knew the nurse. I'm like, hey. And I even complained, yeah, I don't need to be here. This is kind of dumb. And I walked away going, well, that was lame. Then the nurse calls my name, Cody. I'm like, that's me. And we're walking. She goes, do I know you? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, and I'm kind of, I've got this grumpy attitude. I'm like, I don't need to be here. This is dumb. Let me see how tall you are. I'm six foot four. I already know. You know, I got that attitude. And, she, and then she goes, then we sit down. She goes, let me take your blood pressure. And I'm, I just got this bad attitude. I'm like, this is so dumb. And she goes, wait, I do know you. You were just outside at the funeral. They had a little meeting about it. There was this accident with a motorcycle. You were there. I'm the one that said thank you. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Here I am with this bad attitude, and I got to pray in front of everyone, and oh, I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. And she laughed, and she said, thank you for that. I said, thank you. I'm like, oh. Then the doctor comes, I'm like, oh, here we go. Listen to this. His, one of his first words, he goes, wow, you must work out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like this doctor. This guy's great. Like, I haven't worked out in eight years. Man, I like this guy. But then I got this attitude. I'm like, oh, I don't need to be here. Do you smoke, drink, blah, blah? Nope, 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 nope. He's like, what? Oh, okay. I'm like, and I got this attitude. He goes, wait, do I know you? I'm like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> wait, I do know you. You spoke at the Pregnancy Help Center banquet. You did this. Oh, you're the guy. And I'm like, oh, my attitude. And he's like, thank you so much. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm in Christ. Oh, I'm grounded in Christ. I know all this stuff, but sometimes I walk in the attitude of, I'm fine. You bet I work out every day. I get out of bed. That's a big thing right there. Pop-tarts help me every day. We must be content and complete in Christ. That's a reality, but we must live in the attitude, surrendering to him, trusting him all the time. I like how Jeremy Burroughs makes the point by saying this. You may think you find peace in Christ when you have no outward troubles. 
I'm going to the doctor's office. I'm fine. I don't need any meds. I don't need any surgery. I'm doing fine. Things are great and happy. I'm content. You may find peace in Christ when you have no outward troubles. But is Christ your peace when the armies come to destroy the land? Here's what I've written down. Whatever we face, and this is based upon what we've been learning in the book of Philippians. Whatever we face, we must know. We must learn, as he's been talking about. We must know, here's some key things. God is sovereign. He's in total control, amen? In fact, just so you know, I'm working on already the year anniversary of April 8th of our two officers who passed away. I've talked already to the newspapers. I said, I'm going to do a one-page article. It's going to be the same for every newspaper, and I'm going to be like, and you're paying for it. I hope I don't have to pay for it. And basically the title will be, God's in control, even on our worst day of our lives. Amen? Amen. We must know God is sovereign. If you don't know that, you're in trouble. God, from chapter 1, God is in work. He's within you, working within you, so that he'll complete his purposes. You're not finished yet. Praise God. Trust me, I'm not finished yet. I'm still learning and growing. God is sovereign. God is at work within you. And God is with you. As that Isaiah 43, when you pass through the waters, what's the greatest thing? I will be with you. When you go through the flames, I will be with you. Never forget that. God is with you. And out of this passage here, God will give you strength. God will give you strength. And lastly, as we've mentioned before, and Paul mentions a few times in this book, he's coming again. Amen? Oh, I can't wait for that. To help us understand this passage more, we're going to have one of our missionaries share. So John Peterson is going to come up and share about his ministry with athletes in action and his wrestling and all that's going on. So, John, where are you? You were back there. There he is. So John, if you could come up and share, he's even going to talk about the famous verse we looked at in its context. So John, come on up. Thanks for coming up, and we love you. You need a microphone. Andre. going to be loud and we thought you're going to be really big. I'm not like the guys on TV. So uh, I can relate to what pastor was saying. I get tempted to be, be proud when people say, how old are you? Man, you look like a young guy. It's only God's grace. Only God's grace and my parents' good genes, I guess. So, this last week was the World Championships. A guy who won the Olympics uh, in uh, 2016, he was a world champ the year before when he was 19. He won it when he was 20. Then the next year, he 
faced the Russian who moved up to his weight class and he defeated him. And in 2018, the same thing happened. The American guy and the Russian guy meet in the finals. And this time, the American guy lost his first match in world and Olympic competition. He had lost in other competitions, but this was his first really big time when it really counts. And so someone stuck a microphone in his face when the match was over. He's still breathing hard. He's tired. And uh, he said, champions are all often defined more by their losses than by their wins. How will this loss define you? I just love his response. He said, I am not defined by my wins and losses. I'm defined by my relationship with the Lord. God gives me wins. He gives me losses. I'll learn from both of them. That, I think, is the point that pastor's trying to tell us this morning. To be content when hard things happen and when good things happen. And not expect God to reward us because we've been good. But we know that he does bless us. But it's not based on us, it's based on him. I, I think I learned that from working in Eastern Europe. Nancy and I lived in Vienna, Austria and spent a lot of time in Eastern Europe in the 80s. It was a great time to be there. President Reagan spoke out against the evil of communism. The Western Europeans thought he was going to start a world war. Most of the Western Europeans were afraid he was going to, they thought he was a wild cowboy. <laughs> but the Eastern Europeans, they loved him. I, I learned from so many believers there, so many people that through suffering and pain, God draws people to himself. And so, I'm thankful for this group of people who have supported Nancy and I for 50 years. Uh, we've had ups and downs. Uh, Nancy told me when, when Pastor said I needed to speak about this verse, she said, well, yeah, you could probably say something about in the uh, early 90s when our account wasn't doing that well, and I went to the uh, mailbox and found out that our check was really low. Um, and so I was kind of complaining, kind of like Pastor was in the doctor's office. But before she got in the house, God had reminded her that her contentment and her peace doesn't come from how much money we're making, but it comes from her relationship with the Lord Jesus. And so I'm thankful for the many years that she has stood by me. I, I waited until God had called her to go to Eastern Europe when I thought he was going to get us there earlier. I am so thankful that she loved being there too. I saw too many missionaries who were kind of dragging their wives off to this adventuresome thing going in, in and out of Eastern Europe and it, and it broke up some of their marriages. So thank you as a congregation for the years that you've prayed for us and supported us. So a little uh, report on what I'm doing now. Some people ask me, when are you going to retire, Peterson? And 
I say as long as, as, long as wrestlers uh, want to listen to me, talk to them about wrestling and how, it can help, how I can help them, more important, they want to hear about Jesus and will sit and listen, I'm, I'm just going to keep doing it. And I, I've got lots of help. I'm thankful for that. We, with Athletes in Action, uh, teach what Pastor is teaching this morning, that it's, it, it's not... Um, it's not going to Bible study once a week that you can check off your list and then God owes you some wins. <laughs> it's an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus. When we obey him, we trust in him. Yes, blessings may come, but we may also break our elbow <laughs> like one of the guys that I've worked with for quite a while. Shattered his elbow. and he, he, he sent me a picture. He said, I've joined your club. I've got an artificial hip. He's got an artificial elbow. He's having a hard time applying the things that, I've, that we in AIA have taught him that our contentment needs to be in Jesus, not in what we accomplish or how much money we're making. You want to pray about athletes in the NCAA now pray that they will not be tempted by all the money that's pour, go pouring into their pockets guys on teams who are making hundreds of thousands of dollars in college 18, 19 year old kids because of rules that the NCAA has made I am so thankful that I didn't have to deal with that when I was that age because I would probably not be here <laughs> So this summer, we spent time with a small group of athletes in Mongolia. It's been my privilege to travel there since the, since the early eight, uh, 90s when there were fewer than 25 believers. Two very small churches. Now there are hundreds of churches. Spent time with a young guy who's our leader with Athletes in Action there. He knows what persecution is about. He became a Christian. Um, 20, 25 years ago and was constantly bombarded by the coaches and athletes because of his faith. Unfortunately, Buddhism has really made a comeback. You know, communism, they didn't only persecute Christians, they persecuted every religious group. And so he can speak to this issue that God taught him to be content through suffering and is able to use the platform that God has given him to share the gospel with athletes across the country. Justin and I had the privilege of doing a camp out in South Dakota this summer, and uh, we taught what Athletes in Action has five principles, which is applying God's word to your sport, not worshiping your sport, but worshiping God, making working out an act of worship just as much as going to church, when we present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God, that, that sounds a little bit like resting practice right there, doesn't it? <laughs> and having our mind renewed, we have to learn, like Pastor said, to be content. So I had this privilege just this last week. We had Athletes in Action. Our headquarters are out in Ohio. And uh, I was asked to, to be there because 
one of the uh, wrestlers, or one of the athletes from Albania was a wrestler, was a boxer, a weightlifter, taekwondo guy. And uh, such a small world, isn't it? Just a few uh, weeks ago, Altine and um, Diana were here. Church leaders, church, uh, Altine is the pastor there. Uh, pastor Aaron had spent time in Albania. Well, a couple who uh, knew them and worked with them when they were on staff with Campus Crusade, um, Albane and Dory brought these athletes so they could uh, learn these principles and go back and share them in their country. The country that was so atheist during the 80s no way I could have ever visited Albania. Now they're coming to us. And then I spent the last night in wrestling practice with a group from Turkish-speaking people. I didn't know about this group until uh, my leader has been spending time with these guys. 20,000 from this group. There's no known Christians in this group of people. They lived in Russia from the time of the Ottoman Empire when the Muslims tried to control all of, all of uh, Europe. And so when communism fell, they're being persecuted again by Russians. And so our country allowed many of them to come here to the United States. I know there's controversy about what's going on with our border, but God is allowing people who need Jesus to come to us We've got it right in our county, don't we? Somalian ministry, we can, we can affect those people. We, we can love them. <laughs> and so that was just brought to me this, this last week. Showing these little guys how to wrestle, but what are they being taught? And we spent time with their leaders afterwards. They fed us in this. I, I thought I was back in Russia again. So anyway, I'm, I'm a little excited. And I'm thankful for the ministry that you have allowed us to be in. And uh, I think I'm on time, Pastor, if I can see that clock right. So, thank you. Thank you again. And oh, Nancy gave me this uh, note. Um, please remind the ladies that this week is the last week to register for the fall retreat. Got that, ladies? All right, let's take a moment. Let's pray for the ministry that they have, and we're excited that, yeah, 50 years. Next month. Next month. We should have a little party. I'll wrestle you. Okay. Because <laughs> I work out all the time, apparently, to my deck. No, no, I'm out, I'm out. All right. Just so you know, I'll never forget, uh, just a little side note here. I remember when Justin was coaching uh, as assistant coach in Cumberland, your son, and I went there, I was like, oh, I can't wait to see. And I'm like, I thought you just pinned the guy and it's done, but it's all this other stuff. I'm like, what's going on here? So I said, what, what? I said, he said, don't worry, Cody. Sit with my dad next time. So I'm in the, the, the stands there, I'm sitting next to John, John's going, well, this is how it's done. And I'm like the wrestling dummy next to John, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, someday I'm going to wrestle and beat you, but maybe 20 years from now. Okay. Keep dreaming. Keep, Keep dreaming. dreaming. I can do all, okay, I won't use that verse. Yeah. 
that, that verse gets on, on the backs of t-shirts in the wrestling world often. And so we have a chance to tell them, help them with the context of it. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Pastor. Yep. All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the ministry that you've called John to be in. Whether he is receiving the gold medal, it's for your glory. Or whether it's training his children to follow you. Whether it's helping at home or being on the road, ministering to wrestlers, helping coaches think through different scenarios. Being a voice for you, Lord, is that's what we want. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Continue to bless his ministry, we ask. We pray that you just empower him with wisdom as he helps young kids who are so self-sufficient in the wrestling world help them see that they need to be first complete and content in you, whether they win or lose our relationship. That's how we're defined by Thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thanks again. Appreciate you.